We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Barry Rosner with you for another hour. You know what that music means. It means it's time to go out to the Score Hotline, where we're joined by national columnist Anthony Kastrovitz of MLB.com. You also see him on the MLB Network about uh, three times an hour, usually, during the course of a day. You can follow him on Twitter at Kastrovitz. You can hear him right now on Hit and Run. Hey, Anthony, thanks for your time. No problem, Barry. How you doing, man? Good. Um, before we get to some of the teams around the game and what their needs are and what might be happening, i got to ask you about Mike Matheny. Did you yeah. see it coming? Did you think it would be this fast? And do you believe some of the early rumors on his replacement? Uh, yeah, so, sort of saw it coming. Did not think it would be this fast, though. Um, it, it's obviously rare for a team, you know, whether loosely or not, in contention, uh, to make this kind of move at yeah. this time of year, especially one day before the All-Star break. But, um, in fact, the last time this had happened was 2008 with the Brewers when they fired uh, Ned Yost in September with a, a team firing a manager with a winning record. So um, they were barely a winning record, and that's part of the point, is this things have really fallen apart the last couple of weeks. So probably not a total shock, but um, for that organization that, that you know tends to be really stable, consistent, yeah. To have this kind of upheaval in, in season is rare. Um, as far as replacements, you know, Joe Girardi was the, the first name kind of springing out there in the rumor mill. I don't know if that's a, a great fit for what they're looking for or not, but um, certainly that's, you know, one of the names that comes to mind is a guy who, you know, recently had taken the team to the playoffs. So maybe it makes sense. The uh, the Indians, do they need an entire outfield at this point or <laughs> or, or just a couple of guys? And, and, and obviously they've got needs in the bullpen. How close yeah. are they, do you think, to getting some things done, and do they have the pieces necessary to make those moves? Yeah, you might have saw that Little League home run on the part of the Yankees for the go-ahead home run last night. That's um, not you know, good. When the ball gets away from yeah. Brandon Geyer. And, um, they're not getting much offensively from that outfield group beyond Michael Brantley. So, yeah, that, that's an area they're looking for help. But, but the bullpen is, is first and foremost um, you know, their, their biggest push because – it's been a. It's really been a disaster for them for the better part of the year. They had a pretty good stretch in, in the month of June and early July, but it's kind of falling apart again here of late and just before the deadline. So, what they're looking, they got to get Andrew Miller back healthy, and, and they're also looking for guys that they control. They can control control beyond this year because Andrew Miller and Cody Allen, their closer, are both uh, nearing free agency. So less likely then to be looking at somebody like Zach Britton. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not a great fit anyway because they're pretty set from – if Miller is healthy, they're pretty set from the left-hand side. Oliver Perez has been pretty good for them. Um, they got a young kid, Tyler Olsen, so they, they really need right-handed setup help. That makes sense. Um, as, as you look out west, the the Oakland thing is pretty fascinating. I don't know about you. Yeah. I, I didn't even know they were playing baseball this year, and so, <laughs> and suddenly they're in this thing. Obviously, the Mariners are a great story. Uh, do you think Oakland does something interesting at the deadline? You know, you never you never bank on that just because of who it is. Yeah. Um, now they they've made some interesting trades in the past. Don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, first and foremost, you went as for this uh, for John Lester. You know, 
Um, it's just that they have to maximize assets in that market. So to give up something valuable for a rental uh, and, and to try to get a second, you know, basically they're fighting for that second wild card spot. Yeah. You know, that, that's pretty risky because if you don't get it, you know, you set yourself back. But that team has played so well of late and good timing here just before the deadline to kind of get the conversation away from the selling side of the equation. Right. Um, because they have, they have guys who'd be valuable. And Blake Trinan, as a, you talk about controllable relief help, that's, you know, he's, he's near the top of that list. Um, Jed Lowry's having a great year. So, um, but yeah, it, it sounds like they're more likely to add than subtract, and that, that's great to see. What do you think uh, Houston does in terms of adding to their bullpen? Will it be something huge? Yeah. Will it be smaller moves? I mean, they, they've been connected to Zach Britton in the past. Are they, right. try, are they trying again? I mean, Britton still makes a lot of sense for them, and, and he's, you know, he's showing signs in the last week to 10 days of you know velocity picking up a little bit and um, the, the stuff picking up. So, you know, obviously he's trying to make it work in a short sample here as far as uh, increasing his trade value coming back from a, a ruptured Achilles and, and not unlike last year where he was trying to build up his trade value in a short time. The Astros had interest then. I reckon they'll have interest here again because um, it's still a, a great fit for them. But, yeah, whether it's a, a rental like that or, you know, they're also kicking the tires on, on those guys like Kyle Barraclo, uh of the Marlins, you know, guys who are under control beyond this year. Um, they're definitely looking for bullpen help. You surprised at all? I mean, uh, look, uh, the Astros are so deep. They're so loaded. They're they're so scary and intimidating because they have seemingly everything except a couple of guys in the bullpen. Are you surprised, though, that they've played this well for this long, given the hangovers we've seen from other teams? Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, it, you know, maybe not from the conversation in spring training, but that's always just that spring training conversation. Sure. I mean, the, the Cubs were having those conversations a year ago. Yeah. The, year Cu- the ago. Cubs told us there would absolutely be no hangover until right, after right. the season when they admitted, Oh yeah, there was a huge. Yeah, angle. exactly. Exactly. So no, I, yeah, I, I am a little surprised because it's hard to maintain that hunger and, um, and, and it so much is demanded of you. Now I do, I would say it was a little more extreme on the Cubs side when you're, you know, you're on the dinner banquet circuit and it had been 108 years and you know, it's, yeah. it was a little more extreme than the Astros situation, but yep. still, um, you know, it takes a lot out of you to get where the Astros got. And they, they had, you know, two game sevens. Um, so that, that's a, a big toll, especially on your arms, of course. But, um, you know, they, they've had great work from that rotation, which, which goes a long way towards, towards them in that. And um, they've had their injuries and, and issues, but for the most part, they've been able to maintain a, an elite standing. And that's, that's, not, that's easier said than done. What are the Red Sox looking for? You know they're they're looking for bullpen help primarily, but that that being said, it doesn't preclude them from doing something you know bold or dramatic. I don't think they'd get Manny Machado. I really don't. But um, Dave Dombrowski is you know, he's not shy. We've seen that in years past, and this is a team that's very capable of winning the World Series. And you know when when he gets that look in his eye, you never know what might happen. So uh, I, I'd lean to, and they they might be a destination for Zach Britton because he'd be a great fit there as well. Um, so I, I'd lean towards uh, probably a rental you know bullpen piece and. The thing with them is they're already over the luxury tax threshold. Um, at this point, it's probably just money to them to just keep paying the, the penalties on whoever they add. Right. Um, however, if they go to a certain point, I don't have it in front of me as far as how much they can take on before it, but they're not far away from getting to the highest penalty threshold, which is where you your, your draft pick next season, you drop 10 spots. And that's no small thing for a team that that's farm system is not what it used to be. So. Just something to keep in mind, because um, there's, you know, I think the teams that are in a good position to add money this season, uh, this summer, uh, take on some salary, are probably in a really good spot because there's going to be a, a lot of uh, salary dumps, uh, you know, by the end of the month and, and maybe in the waiver period as well. 
He's Anthony Castrovince. You can follow him on Twitter, at Castrovince. You can see him on the MLB Network 15 or 20 times a day. You don't do high heat, though, do you? You know, I haven't. I've done it a couple times. Um, always, always fascinating going high heat with Chris Russo. Because yeah. Whatever your talking points are, they get thrown out the window because it's, it's whatever, uh, <laughs> whatever springs to his mind in that second. So yeah, always if, fun. If he's not inviting you on, don't complain. Is would would be my <laughs> that would be my position. But understood, you know, understood. But that's just me. Um, <laughs> Anthony, uh, have the Phillies at this point now with a game and a half leads and six and a half ahead of Washington. Do they change their posture? I mean, we've seen teams jump up and and uh, and surprise. I don't know that they yeah. thought they'd be six and a half up on Washington. I mean, obviously, yeah. obviously, they didn't believe that. But does that change their posture over the next fifteen, sixteen days? I think it should. I mean, I, I think for them and uh, and the Braves, you know, it, it should. Um, they both have deep farm systems. The Braves are even more well equipped uh, to to do a, a big blockbuster, but. Um, and both of those clubs, you know, they have to try to stave off the, the potential for regression in the second half that, that comes with younger rosters, you know. Um, and both those clubs have a couple of veteran pieces. But, but you know, that, that's just how it is with, with, with young guys who haven't been through it before. Sometimes they wear down. Um, so that, that'll be fascinating. Um, you know, Machado for the Phillies is a big litmus test there because that's a guy they're definitely going to pursue in the winter. Everybody knows that. Right. But, um, you know, do they pursue him now? and try to get him comfortable there. So you're giving up the prospect pieces and, oh, by the way, you know, signing him for some absurd amount of money in the, in the winter. That's difficult to do, but they've, that team has played well enough to, to spark that conversation. As you look at the NL West and what I, I guess you could call a four-team race right now, I'm, I, I'm not sure exactly what to make of the Giants. If they could get healthy, right. who knows? But you have the four teams. We know who the best, the, the most talented team is there, but – the Dodgers also can't yeah. seem to get healthy. Um, sum up those four teams for me, how you think this begins to play out, and who's buying among those four? Yeah, so I, I feel like the best opportunity to, to slay the Dodgers probably came in the first couple months. You know, they were really reeling, yeah. and nobody just ran away and hid in that division. The Diamondbacks uh, start off great, and then they hit a huge rut in May, um, and they had their injury issues. So, I don't know, I, I still lean towards the Dodgers finishing the job there. Um now, as far as the trade deadline is concerned, there it's same same thing we mentioned earlier: luxury tax threshold. They're trying to stay under it. That impacts what they can do here. But um, so yeah, I, I still think they're in the best spot. The Giants are, you know, it's an older roster, and that could wear down as, as it has. They've had their injury issues. Um, I, I give the D-backs a lot of credit, and, and they're they're players in the Machado sweepstakes. Um, you know, they're they're trying to maintain that momentum. So they'll be fascinating. In the Rockies, it was an easy team to kind of dismiss a few weeks ago. Their bullpen that was supposed to be a super bullpen. It's been a miserable group for them for the most part. But um, you know, with that offense and uh, or at least what they can do in that building, at least um, and, and a young rotation that's, that's pitched pretty well, you know, they'll probably be there at the end. So, but I, ultimately, I, I do think it's the Dodgers division to lose. Still, sounds like you're on the move and you and you need to get to a game. So I'll ask you just one <laughs> more question, and that involves the enigmatic Washington Nationals. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to think. I don't know where they go, uh, but let me throw a really strange question at you. Is there any chance if this gets worse, and let's say a week from now they're 10 games out, is there any chance they'd consider trading Bryce Harper? Yeah, I just don't see it. Not with Mike Rizzo. He's so aggressive. And actually, you know, to your point earlier, I'm, I'm here in D.C. just headed to the Futures game right now. Um, so uh, I'm in, in, in the, the room where it happens, as they say in Hamilton. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't see Mike Rizzo pulling the plug on, on a team. He's an aggressive GM, a smart GM. They still have, you know, all the intent in the world to re-sign Bryce at season's end. 
So, you know, it would be a pretty epic collapse between now and the end of July, and maybe that's possible with the way this year has gone, but I see them, you know, sticking with it and, and trying to finish the job in the last couple of months. Anthony, I'll let you go. Enjoy the Futures game. Enjoy All-Star Week. Have a good time. Uh, don't work too hard, and uh, <laughs> we'll try to chase you down again sometime later this summer. All right, Barry. Sounds good, man. Thank you. Anthony Kastrovitz of MLB.com. You see him on the network all the time. He does pretty much every show, all day, every day. Uh, he's uh, very good at his job. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. If there's something you have heard today involving the Cubs, the White Sox, any of the national topics that we've discussed, this would be a good time to jump in. We got some time for you right now. Bottom of the hour, we will talk to Kevin Kernan from the New York Post about the Mets, the Yankees, and how he sees the NL East and the AL East shaping up the rest of the way. Time for you right now on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Barry Rosner with you for another 40 minutes or so, taking you up to Nick Shepkowski. We'll be in for, I don't know, what, about two and a half hours? That sound about right, Eli. Then it's Cubs baseball here on the score, last game before the All-Star break. Eli, let's talk White Sox prospects and the minor league report. What was going on this week? Well, first off, Barry, I'm actually prepared for the real field temp in Chicago for the first time ever on this show. The only time I didn't ask you, and you actually have it. Um, I'm more interested, of course, in the D.C. weather because that's what you usually give us for no apparent reason. And you never have the real feel in D.C. where it's usually really humid. And uh, the Futures game is today. And uh, the All-Star game is this week. So... Um, thanks for not having that. Well, What's 84 it? degrees in D.C., real field temp is 87. Okay, not terrible. What's going on with the White Sox minor leagues? Yeah, kicking it off with Michael Kopech down at A in Charlotte yesterday, last night. Six innings pitched, four hits, one and run, 11 strikeouts, one walk, 70 of 96 pitches for strikes. And he now has, get this, 122 strikeouts in 88 innings and a third uh, this season. So for people who are saying Michael Kopech is going to be the next White Sox closer, probably still some time to give him as a starter in the White Sox system. Yeah, I don't think they have any intention of doing that at this point. Sometimes those things happen later in a guy's career if things aren't working out, but I don't I wouldn't imagine they have any thoughts of doing that at this point. And a guy who's been dominant for the White Sox down in AAA out of the bullpen, Ian Hamilton, a 1.35 ERA in 28 games this season. So it could be an option there in the back end along with Zach Birdie when he recovers. Also a guy that was moved to the bullpen this week, a former starter, Barry Carson Fulmer, pitched out of the pen down in AAA. Uh, his first appearance out of the bullpen this season on Friday, so a couple days ago, one innings pitched, one strikeout has given up or had given up five earned runs a piece over his last three starts. So about time to make that switch. Well, there's an example of let's try something else. Right. Uh, continuing on with Charlotte and Triple A, Eloy Jimenez still on the DL uh, could be activated today. Unsure of that lineup right now, but I was on the DL or at least un- until today. The knee injury and the chest muscle injury. 
293, 383, 463 on the slash line, two home runs and four RBI in 12 AAA games, a 10.6% walk rate this season. I know that's a limited sample size with just 12 games in AAA, but the highest of his minor league career uh, so far for Eloy Jimenez. Zebi Zavala also was promoted to AAA a couple weeks back, a few weeks ago, a 227, 268, and 288 on the slugging, along with the slash line, six RBI and 27 AAA games. So sound defensively, but hasn't really progressed offensively in AAA. Mentioned Carson Fulmer, Spencer Adams pitched on Friday, got the start that Fulmer appeared in. Four innings pitched, eight hits, five earned runs, two walks, and a strikeout, a 386 ERA in six AAA starts. Going back to AA in Birmingham, and we just had Anthony uh, Kastrovitz on from MLB.com talking about the Futures game. He's over in D.C., and two people that will be pitching in that game today, or at least playing in that game, uh, one who will be pitching, it's Dylan Cease, who's promoted a few weeks ago along with these other promotions for the White Sox. Uh, he hasn't pitched since last Friday, so he's expected to pitch in the Futures game today. Overall this season in Double A, a three two four ERA in three starts in Birmingham and a two nine six xFIP, which measures expected home runs per start as well. So, um, and also the twelve point four two strikeouts per nine innings pitch, not bad for one Dylan Cease. <laughs> Outstanding, thank you, Eli. Appreciate your minor league report. Well, one more thing here, Go Barry. Ahead. As I search through the system here to get this ready, uh, Rick Hyde was t- talking this week earlier today, and along with Dylan Cease, uh, Mike Rodolfo is going to be playing in the Futures game today. So Han obviously talked a lot about the prospects this week. Luis Basabe, I thought he was, won. I thought he was hurt. Oh, Basabe, yes, Basabe. I'm, I apologize. Basabe is out. What about uh, Adolfo? I thought he was hurt. Right. Oh, Adolfo, that's what I'm saying. Adolfo's oh. out for the season. Basabe, oh, sorry. Yeah, Basabe will I be playing it. in the Futures game today along with Dylan C. So gotcha. Rick Hahn talked about that today uh, or that earlier this week among the other names that he mentioned. Also, uh, Nick Madrigal is dealing with some issues down in the Arizona Fall League, so we'll see when he comes back. But here's what he had to say about Basabe and Cease today playing in the Futures game. No fault of their own in in the own their own transactions publicly they've got a little bit overshadowed by the headliners so to speak in those deals, but you know, the the Quintana trade doesn't happen without Dylan Cease being part of it. Uh, he was a very important part of that for us, and it, we're thrilled to see him uh, getting similar getting some recognition. So important for Han, and you, you go back to that 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 Quintana deal last year that Han mentioned. Cease was not the headliner. Obviously, Eloy was. And look what Cease is doing. He's probably, you, you think about the White Sox rotation when they contend 2021 is what we're looking at likely. If they do even contend and Cease is in the rotation, probably top three at that point. You would certainly hope so. We'll see how it all plays out. It, the, obviously, you continue to stock up. You get as many of those arms as you can, and you see what happens. But if you if you look south... You see some pretty good names coming. Let's go to the phones. It's Stan in Bellwood. Good morning, Stan. How you doing? I'm here. All right, Barry. What's going on, man? Well, it's uh, it's been a busy show, but I got a minute for you. Uh, what uh, what have you heard today that uh, you agree with or don't? Uh, well, uh, actually, uh, I, I wanted to touch on two things, if you have time for me. I wanted to talk about something you said uh, regarding uh, Javi Baez earlier in the show. Yeah. But I do want to talk about this. You were just talking with uh, Anthony Casterman about the Oakland A's. Yeah. Uh, it, that's a story 
a big, big story among many uh, in baseball currently. But um, uh, they apparently had, it looks like they sneaked up on Seattle here, and a tremendous opportunity has dropped into their laps. Uh, the Twins, the Blue Jays, the Angels, all dead. There's not really a race for that second wild card except for between Seattle and Oakland. Uh, that's a very intriguing young team. The, the lights uh, apparently have gone on uh, for a lot of their young players. I mean, they can really hit. Uh, they've got a lights out bullpen. They just took three out of four from the Astros in Houston. I uh, should have swept that series. Yep. Uh, if know, Luke Croy catches the ball, they win all four. Yeah, that, that's right. That was <laughs> that was brutal. Uh, the fans are excited there. I mean, it's a team that is almost never in the playoff chase. I mean, things are aligning for them. They better do something here coming to the break. they they got to roll up their sleeves and give it a shot and try to get into the playoffs regardless. I mean, they're in it, you know, whether they think they can get in there or not because Seattle and Houston are so good. I, they have to do something this year. They, it would just be a crime if they stood pat and just tried to make it and sit on what they currently have. They have to show some initiative here. Stan, I got to get. I, I have to get to Kevin Kernan, okay. but um, what do you think about Baez as MVP? I, I, you know what? I agree with you. Uh, I think uh, going into the uh, second half or more uh, less than half, uh, I think that with the Cubs ascending, uh, and he's the he's probably the main reason providing a lot of power when uh, Brian and Rizzo are not carrying a load like they usually do. You know, with the Cubs rising, uh, the MVP race, I think, is going to come down to guys that are um, having a hand in their teams rising uh, in the standings, uh, guys that actually affect the standings. And Baez is doing that. And I, uh, Paul Goschman has started to hit now. I mean, uh, uh, Arizona was staying in the race and holding down the fort until he got healthy, and now he's on fire. I agree with you going into the second half of the season that those are the two guys, and I just wanted to tell you that. Thank you, Stan. Appreciate the phone call. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Barry Rosner with you for another half hour, and right now it's time to go out to the Score Hotline where we're joined by Kevin Kernan, baseball columnist for the New York Post. He's known as America's most beloved sports writer, a title I believe he gave himself. You can follow him on Twitter at Where's Kernan, and where is he right now? He's on Hit and Run. Hey, Kevin, thanks for your time. Hey, it's good to hear from you, buddy. And also, uh, actually, another writer gave me that. I would never be that presumptuous. And there's there's a certain irony in that nickname, too, as well. I completely understand that. I follow you on Twitter. (laughs) I absolutely get the irony in in that idea. Uh, It is good to talk to you. It's been a while. I've known Kevin for uh, a really long time, which means we've both been around probably too long, Kevin. But uh, you uh, you follow this New York baseball scene very closely. It is an important part of the baseball world right now. Let's start with the Yankees. Um, does the Sonny Gray start the other day change anybody's opinion of him at this point? It doesn't change my opinion. He's got a lot to prove. Um, you know, big games, he seems to disappear. Um, I, I, I just have not I don't. I'm not a big fan of his, and I think the Yankees need to really upgrade their pitching. They blew it last year when they didn't get Verlander, and I think uh, you, you know you saw what happened there. There's no Verlanders out there this year. 
So they got to hope that a Sonny Gray can do it for them. They're going to slow uh, Severino down, give him a little bit of extended rest, uh, starting off the second half. And CeCe's been great, you know, see for his uh, where he's at in his career. So their pitching isn't a complete mess, but it is a little dangerous, and they're also not getting great third base play right now, Barry. And you know how that goes. If you're not getting that, it, uh, it is a problem. Last year at this point, they traded for Todd Frazier, and that was a difference maker. They may have to do something with third base as well. Well, then I, I hate to bring it up, but, of course, uh, Machado would be a nice fit. It's just that uh, the Orioles are trying to rob everybody blind. Is there any chance of that deal taking place? I think there's always a chance because uh, going back to Teixeira, I wrote a column when everybody said Teixeira was going somewhere else. I talked to some people and said, no, he's coming right here. And then, of course, you know, way back you had A-Rod. The Yankees are never out of it, although they insist they're not going to give up their top top-tier talent for uh, Machado, and I get that. The problem is the Yankees, uh, they don't want to make that extra leap. you got to give somebody talented to get somebody talented. If it were me, I would definitely go after Machado simply because you want to uh, get with this team the way it's constructed right now, you're going to have to bludgeon your way through the playoffs, and Machado would uh, make them an all-star lineup. Yeah, I mean, it, it, is that really their best option at this point, is to try to just outscore everybody, or is there a chance they could find some decent starting pitching somewhere? I, I mean, the names I hear are not all that appealing to me. No, they're not. And, you know, they'll wind up with, like, I'm, I'm throwing a name out here, but just say Tyson Ross, you know, and yeah. they'll figure out how good he is and about his ERA and his whip and this and that. And uh, But you need guys who can step it up in the postseason. It was funny, I was talking to a Yankee player this morning just about Verlander, because last year I basically begged them to trade for Verlander because you just knew with that guy's competitive spirit, yeah. he would he would step it up, and he did. And, you know, I think they missed the boat with that. They missed the boat with Garrett Cole. So uh, it's going to be tough for them. They You know, they got a great team. Uh, they get along well. I, I did something today with Stanton about his uh, first half year here, how he feels, and, and – uh, so I'm not I'm not saying they can't get it done, but they've made it a little more difficult because they have a tendency to hold on to players who really should have been traded a year ago to to make to make that big run. If you're going to go for it, you got to go for it, and and that's one of the things I respect. Uh, you know, with the Cubs with with uh, trading for Chapman, uh, you know that was the difference maker. I've known Theo since he was assistant PR guy in San Diego. Um, he's done a pretty good job of, um, you know, obviously what he's done in Boston and Chicago, but he's also done a, a really good job of surrounding himself with baseball guys and, and marrying the two analytics and, and stuff like that. And you can't fall in love with your own young talent. And uh, they, 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 that was, to me, that, that's the template for what the Yankees should try to do. Who is the guy you think maybe they're waiting on too long here? Who is the guy they refuse to get rid of who maybe they should be using right now as a chip? Well, Frazier, Clint Frazier is one of those guys. You know, he, uh, he, he, he can't get, get into the outfield. they got young outfielders coming. To me, I think he'd be a great chip. A lot of teams would trade for him. I think he's going to be a great player. Andohar, um, uh, I think they held on to a little long. I think he's ex- being exposed now some of his defensive weaknesses. And it might be come to a point in his career where he needs he needs to just uh, maybe go somewhere else to really start fresh and be okay. But he's a talented young player too. So those two players alone should get you almost anything you need. Does the name Danny Duffy appeal to you at all? At uh, fifteen million next year and in twenty and in twenty one, 
really good yesterday here in Chicago. His last 10 starts pretty good. Do you think that's a name that will draw any interest? I think it will. Um, they don't want to spend a lot of money either, though, so they're kind of right. stuck in the middle there. And, um, again, I, I, Danny Duffy, Sonny Gray, you know, they're, they're just, you know, none of that overwhelms me. I think I think you really got to go and get somebody that you never, you know, that, that just is a difference maker. We need you know, see where the Yankees are right now. They get a difference maker. They're in there because don't, don't forget, Red Sox never lose. Boone talked about that this morning because somebody said like, does it bother you? Uh, you know, you're still trying to. He goes, no, they never lose, so we can't control it. So, <laughs> so you know, they're going to get. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to get in a one game playoff. They're going to have to use Severino, and then they're going to have to somehow get by uh, uh, the, the next series. And I'm telling you right now, if Cleveland. If Cleveland gets some bullpen help, starting maybe with a familiar from the Mets or somebody, they're going to be super dangerous because I love this lineup and the way they play the game here. So so the Yankees not only have the Boston problem, they have the Astros problem, and they may have a Cleveland problem as well. That's a tough group to jump over. Boy, the, the American League postseason is just oh. brutal. It's just brutal. There's no, it, it really is. There's no it easy really outs is. there at all. No easy outs, and all the teams have a determination to get better and 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 to me, the Astros, even though they've had some issues here and there, I I, I think they're the most dangerous. And, and another great thing the Astros did last year, and I think, uh, you know, getting Beltran and McCann to run the clubhouse, that's another good thing to do when you have those veteran players. And the Yankees already have that because they have CC Sabathia who handles the pitchers, and and, and Brett Gardner who handles the, uh, the the fielders. So if I were the Yankees, I would go out and get maybe a, a wild child, a bad. Somebody who's got a bad reputation right now who's got talent as a pitcher and bring him into this clubhouse and have CC work with them and hope for the best. That, that would be my approach. Now, who's that name? I, I, to be quite frank, I, I haven't studied it enough, but there's got to be some pitcher out there that somebody wants to get rid of because he's a pain in the neck and maybe paid a little too much money. That's what I would do. He's Kevin Kernan from the New York Post. He's a baseball columnist. You can follow him on Twitter, at Where's Kernan, and you should. He's always entertaining. And he loves interacting with people on Twitter because people on Twitter are generally very smart people. So it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. I know you enjoy that. Well, um, smarter than us, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I only deal with the uh, you know like uh, the people who are just uh, running a uh, you know the NASA programs after they get done on Twitter and things like that. But uh, <laughs> if you you know like like I said in my very uh, I have a disclaimer every year I throw out you know. AMBS does not suffer fools. So if you, if you want to come after me, use it all fire back. <laughs> I know you will. I've known you long enough to understand that. Uh, if you're um, so, if, if you were ranking needs in order, uh, obviously starting pitching would be one. But after that, third base. How about uh, how about shortening the game even more? Or do they have enough in the bullpen? Do you ever have enough no, in the bullpen? Never have enough in the bullpen, especially uh, when it gets to postseason. You know that that was another that was a brilliant strategy by the Astros last year when when uh, you know moving Charlie Morton and those guys to the bullpen. So so yeah, you got to get more help whether it's a starter who can uh, work in the bullpen in the postseason and or a a postseason guy because you know even last night I was noticing you know Patanzas this is, he he's got forty outings Chapman's working on a bad knee and he's got forty one outings that's gonna we're only in July you know really the rough stuff hasn't even started yet so. So, yeah, the Yankees definitely – I expect Cashman to come up with a starter and a bullpen guy at the very least and then maybe somehow solve the third-base situation from within. 
Uh, don't forget, if you pick it, when, once you get Torres back, you got a little more flexibility with guys like Tyler Wade and, and Neil Walker. So, uh, so and maybe the kid on the heart too. You know, he he, you know, you, you see it all the time. Right? You've been in clubhouses when the young, you know, the young player suddenly gets his name in trade rumors or he's an oh, yeah. issue. That you know, next thing you know, they're wearing the hoodie. They're sitting there eating by themselves. They're looking at their phone every three seconds, and that's where he's at mentally right now. Well, that's so, no good. Just, yeah, that's no good, and that, and that, you know, that's what the, uh, you know, that's what the people who don't go to clubhouses don't see and don't understand. Because there's the other thing too, especially in the fantasy world, Barry, we're dealing with a lot of people who know a lot more than us too. You know, if they cover their fantasy sports, even though they've never been in a clubhouse in their life. Absolutely, absolutely true. When is Torres due back? Well, he's he's hitting now, so my guess is maybe like a week after the uh, after after the break. The good news is Sanchez will be back, and I think he'll come back a little bit more motivated as a catcher. He'll be back right after the break, and that lengthens your lineup, and uh, he will help immensely. Big fan of his as as a player. I know he gets a lot of heat in New York, but um, you know I, I kind of like the guys who have superstar ability, and this guy's a superstar. Before we get to the Mets, what are the Red Sox going to do? Jeez. The Red Sox with Dombrowski, we've known them a long time. They will do something we didn't expect. Right. And they won't and they won't be afraid. It's not his kids. And I seen I saw Frank Wren last week in Miami when I was down there with the Mets and you know, that's one of Dombrowski's right hand guys and uh um you know, he's he's the kind of guy that he, he, he found a lot of that talent that the Braves are winning with right now. So my guess is they'll make a they'll make a nice splash and uh they'll get a little better and um you know, whether it's in the bullpen and or starting as pitching as well. But uh, they also have an infield situation. Uh, maybe they'll pick up a Cabrera from the Mets, and, um, you know, that will help them immensely. But I don't think the – I think the Red Sox, to me, when we, and you just mentioned it earlier about, where, where you know, how tough it is. I think, to me, the Red Sox, even though they have David Price, who really hasn't shown he can pitch in those kind of games, to me the Red Sox might be the most dangerous team in the American League right now. As you um, as you think about the Mets long term, and obviously there's no other way to do it, and you you um, look, I, I'm probably as guilty as any Mets fan, or as much as Mets management of falling in love with this pitching staff and then seeing it mm-hmm. go to go to pieces every year. Um, you'd think we'd know better by now. What what does the future hold for this team? And I know you're not an advocate of, of trading these guys. So what to, what do they do moving forward? How do they how do they fix this thing? I would listen. The only I would listen on Syndergaard. I would listen on Syndergaard simply because he hasn't been able to stay in the rotation. He has a couple little issues here and there. So that would be the one I would listen to. I would never. I would never trade Degrom. He's the kind. He's a builder. The Mets' only way out is through pitching and. If all these Mets fans say, oh, we're going to reload the farm system, and you know what that's like. Mets fans are going to wait around five years for some kid who's going to get hurt anyway or at some point. So it ain't going to happen. You're not going to, you're not going to reload the farm. They're going to wind up, if they traded the Grom, and I've been on this from day one, and they're not going to trade the Grom. But if they were, they would make a bad trade. It's that simple. The Grom is just too good. He's, um, to me, he's got a competitive spirit. This was a kid who was a shortstop in college. You know, I interviewed him way back when, and I saw it right then and there. As a matter of fact, I advocated three, four years ago, the Mets, uh, I worked to call him every spring training, signed the Grom long-term, and here's why. And this is why. If they had signed him long-term, they wouldn't have any of these issues right now. He's just going to keep getting better. So to me, you're, with the Grom, you're already 
you're one-fourth of the way there because we don't talk about five starters anymore because nobody really has them. But one-fourth, he gives you a starter that will beat anybody, you know, up against anybody. So so that's why you got to go in that direction. Uh, and then you got to spend some money next year in the free agent route and, and get some bats in there. Mickey Callaway is getting hammered in New York, but I'm telling you right now, Mickey Callaway has shined a light on a lot of the Mets' deficiencies. He's way ahead of the curve. People are ripping him left and right, but he knows what's wrong with this team. He's brought it out to the public's eye, and he's getting killed for it. But he, uh, you know, this is a team that has a developmental. Pro- uh, they, they they don't know how to develop players, and he's brought that to, to the uh, forefront. They fixed some players during the season, so they're not. As crazy as it sounds, and Mets fans probably won't believe it, I don't think they're as bad as they look right now. I think they're a lot closer than they could be. A couple good moves, and before you know it, it is the NL, too. It's the NL. You can do anything in the NL and turn it around overnight. So, uh, you know, I think uh, keep those pitchers. I've been an advocate of Wheeler from day one. This is a guy who will take a – he had an issue with uh, bone density. He took a shot in his stomach every day this year in the offseason to build up his bone density. So he gets to this point. Now you're going to trade him for some prospects down the road that may or may not help you. You finally get this guy good. So they have a pretty good starting three. They worked on Matt's head. Stephen Matt was a bull in China shop type guy who would, uh, one thing would go wrong and he'd collapse. Well, Mick Callaway and Dave Island, the pitching coach, have done a terrific job working on his head, getting his act together. So they actually have three decent starters, a lot better than a lot of teams. So, uh, I don't think it's as desperate for the Mets. The question is, will the Wilpons spend money? We keep Jeff out of the mix. We keep Fred out of the mix. And that's where they're at right now. How does the front office ultimately shake out? You're going to get yourself a president of baseball operations, and he will be in charge of these three guys right now. Because Omar Minaya does not want the job. He likes what he's doing, scouting. And he was the, he was the GM when they got guys like DeGrom when he told his scouts to go out and find long-limbed athletic guys to the pitching staff. So he'll stay in that role. Uh, J.P. Richardi will stay in his role, uh, kind of like our, the uh, uh, whis- the whisper to the GM. John Rico, who's a kind of a, uh, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a guy that can handle all the inside stuff. Uh, and then you'll get yourself a president of baseball operations from another organization who will oversee everything. And it would not shock me if a guy from Cleveland came here because that's where they have some of their, uh, you know, Callaway knows people there, and that's what will happen. So there will be one kind of a Theo type will take uh, take over. I would love, I would love to put the Chicago connection. I would love to see the Mets hire Jason McLeod. I think he'd be great for that role, and it would be that kind of. Uh, they need somebody that can really identify and find talent and keep talent. Wow, that's a great call. McLeod would be great at that if he ever decides he wants to run his own shop. You know, he he's very successful at what he does. He loves kind of being in the background and doing his thing. But uh, at some point, he might have to pull the trigger. Yeah, and don't forget, too, I've known Jason a long time. And uh, I think, it's, you know, his kids are a certain age. Maybe he can make the adjustment now and move to another organization. If the Mets are smart, they put a call on him and bring him in and talk to him and uh, – uh, but who knows if the Mets are smart. Kevin, great stuff. Really appreciate the time. Look forward to seeing you during the playoffs. Okay, Barry, keep up the great work, and uh, say hi to Jim Fry. <laughs> I'll do that for you. Just <laughs> just not on the air, pal. We can't do that on the air. Uh, that's, uh, that would have to be pirate radio. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you. Kevin Kernan, New York Post baseball columnist. He uh, He knows the New York baseball scene very well.
We uh, we don't have another break, Eli. We don't. Just to wrap up the hour. That's it. There's no more spots. Nope. It's unusual. I see now you're typing it up. You don't have to break. I told you that earlier. You did not tell me that. I listen. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to have to go Joe Ostrowski on you. This is silly. You're probably enjoying yourself today because Joe's not here abusing you all day. Right? I, I'm in such a good mood. <laughs> oh man, he's gonna hear about that. You, you are happy he's not here, aren't you? Indeed. Oh, okay. Love my Joe Ostrowski, but a nice week off, man. He does ride you pretty hard. Well, and uh, I, I would say for the most part, you deserve it. Would uh, would be my approach to that. Wow. All right, you have. Uh, <laughs> no, you, you've you've done a great job today. Um. Tell me, uh, tell me what you have left. I know you. I know you have some fabulous Mad Dog stuff. Yeah, we got to we got to get to this because while Blake Snell was voted into the All Star Game as a as a reserve, uh, I forget who 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 exited. Posey was earlier this week, but then he was replaced. Who's the pitcher that starting today? Or is it Lester? I think he might be in for Lester. Or no, that's American League. Yeah, you're talking about Blake Snell. I'm talking like Mad Dog right now. Yeah. You sound like him. I mean, <laughs> I just I just need to start pointing figures. All right, just uh, rather than try and explain it, um, at the time this occurred, Blake Stell was not in the All Star game. Correct. Correct. All right, and so this was Mad Dog. June tenth. It's July tenth. I mean, I I don't understand that. So this is the way Snell gets buried here because he he they had a vote too soon, and now you know you realize how good he is. He should have made it. Uh, that's that's got to be changed. And then furthermore, they took Bauer ahead of once Verlander was going to pitch Sunday. Uh, this p- coming up, he was out of the equation. That baseball decided to take Bauer over Snell. Bauer's got eight wins and a two-four-five ERA, pitching in, in a disastrous division where nobody's any good. And he's pitching against the Red Sox and Yankees, and he's got four extra wins. He's got a, a half a run lower ERA, and Bauer's got Kluber in there anyway. How in the world is Bauer picked over Snell? Uh, who making these decisions? I mean, this is ridiculous. I'm not screaming for Sternberg or the Tampa ownership or their GM or Cash or anybody, but what's fair is fair. The man has had a tremendous season. Did they not watch the game on Saturday? And if you want to give the players a break because their vote had to be in by June 10th, which is, I don't understand it, fine. You had a chance to make good and make it right. I know Bauer's got a million strikeouts and he's pitched well. Nobody's knocking Bauer. But geez, he's got eight wins with a 2-4-5 pitching against the Royals and the White Sox. And this kid's got a 2-0-9 ERA and he's got 12 wins pitching against the Yankees and the Red Sox. Now what brainiac decided, you know what, let's take Bauer instead. I mean, you really, you gotta look at this a little more carefully, folks. You do it right. If you're going to want to try to have an also is Luke fun and his Luke content, you got to do it right. What, they pick Bauer to get me mad? I mean, I am nothing. I don't care about Blake Snell, but this is stupid. He's got to be in the All-Star. You can't be the best pitcher in the American League and not be in the All-Star. He is the best. Him and Severino. Those are the two best pitchers in the American League. And Severino's doing it for the Yankees, where he's got a lot of room. He's pitching in Tampa. I mean, I don't understand it. And Goldschmidt should not make it over Aguilar, let's be honest. Let's call like we see it. All right, let's get off the bat. I needed to get that off my chest. I get it off my chest. <laughs> it's fantastic. I don't understand it. Fine. It's, it's the All-Star game. Right? We're talking about the All-Star game here? That's eons ago.
very angry about that. I don't know who to scream at. It doesn't matter. You just scream. It's what you do every day. You just scream every day. What brainiac decided, you know what, let's take Spower instead. It's just an all-star game. What? What is the? What's the big deal? There's one more thing from this week. Manny Machado, a completely different note. Manny Machado going off about the Red Sox getting it just so very cool off over there. What do you think? Power stuff. I mean, that's that stuff that you don't do. But I mean, I'm not on that side. I'm not on that organization. They're still thinking about that same slide that I did. That was no. That was no intention on hurting anybody. And. You know, I'm still paying. I'm still trying to get hit at. Get thrown out of my head. Get thrown out everywhere. You know, I've lost my respect for the organization, for that coaching staff, for everyone over there. I saw you sort of jaw on the bench after that fact. I mean, the conversation. I mean, if you're going to me, hit me. Go ahead and hit me. You know, don't let the keep lingering around and, you know, keep trying to hit people. I mean, we should do something about pitch, hit pitchers out there with balls in their hands, throwing 100 miles per hour, trying to hit people. I got that too. I could go up there and, and, and crush somebody if I wanted to. But you know what? I, I'll get suspended for the year, and the pitchers only get suspended for two games. That's 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 not that's not cool. Okay, so the idea of him going to Boston probably not such a good one. I guess probably not such a great idea. They have been trying to throw at him for two years now. What do you think? Okay, so that's a so that's a no then. It's time for thank yous. We're out of time. To our producer, Eli Hershkovich. Great job producing. One of those days, days, man. Yeah, fatigue is setting in. Uh, thank you, Eli. Really good job today. Thanks to our guests, Kevin Kernan, Rock Kabodko, Ed Lynch, Bruce Levine, and Anthony Kastrovitz. Thanks for calling. Thanks for texting. Most of all, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you spending some of your Sunday with us. Stay tuned now for Nick Shepkowski, and then at 2.30, it's the Cubs pregame show starring Zach Zaidman and featuring Joe Madden, Jim Hickey, Len Casper, and Ron Coomer. Then it's Cubs baseball with Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer right here on your radio home of the Chicago Cubs, Eric Lauer and John Lester. Joe will be back next week, possibly. I assume he will be. Have a great rest of your Sunday, everybody. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.